Good morning. Welcome to the David on and David on Real Estate podcast. And we are on episode number 34. Welcome and good morning. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And welcome back, Jonathan Hakoen. I'm my name. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. Pleasure to be back. Name right. How about that? That's that's when you know you've made it. When they pronounce your name, you know you've made it in the world. David's probably all up all night practicing that and making sure he got it right. Good job. No kidding. Well, (laughs) welcome back, Jonathan. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. A great topic today, and uh, one that uh, you yourself are extremely familiar with, because I've been told you are the king of assignments. You know what, when the Stones come on uh, stage and they've sung their hits for 40 years and they never get sick of it, I feel the same way about assignments. Yeah, and and I'm like Pavlov's dog when it comes to uh, certain things. And and last week, uh, you know, David and I were kicking around, what are we going to... What are we, what's our topic for next week? And as soon as he says, hey, how about assignments? That's really topical right now. And I go, ding, 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 ding. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. we got to bring Jonathan on because I've always referred to him, you refer to him as the king of assignments. I refer to him as the guru of assignments. And as soon as someone sends me an assignment, it's uh, I, I always think of Jonathan. And for some of the reasons you're going to see as we discuss them, because they're a real pain in the you-know-what to deal with. They're really difficult. So either you do them and know understand them or you, or you don't do them. But they're, they're great to do, but you got to do them properly. And Jonathan's uh, our resident expert on it. So uh, I'd welcome, like to, Jonathan. Thank you. I, I'd like to put a disclaimer in there. First of all, uh, for legal reasons, we're never going to use the word expert, even though I could be considered as such. Right. Number number two, to the, to the universe listening right now, I do other things in assignments. Believe me, you can hand me, as a real estate corporate lawyer, I can do your simple transactions as well, your simple purchases, your simple sales, your simple refis, your leases, your incorporations. I do assignments, but I do other things. So when you think of me and as a transaction other than assignments, you can still think of me. Thank you. Jonathan doesn't want to get barrage of assignments on this desk. And then all he's going to be doing is math until two in the morning. I don't want to get typecasted, you know, like you're, you're on a hit TV show and then you can't get another gig because everybody sees you as a little man on that one show. So, no, I, I want to broaden my uh, acting strokes. So uh, I love assignments. I will do assignments until they're outlawed or until the day I uh, am not here. But otherwise, uh, I do enjoy doing other things as well. But assignments are awesome. And the reason they are is because uh, in my mind, they're like a horror flick, you know, and uh, not everybody can sit through a horror flick and they get nervous about it. I love it. I like to see where the ending goes. And I actually like seeing the happy endings to the horror flicks. Nice. That's a good way of putting it. Well, listen, before we jump in, let's do a quick market update. Um, market is shifting and it's uh, it's shift- shifting across the GTA. And, you know, a lot of realtors are, are feeling it or talking about it. Um there's still areas that are selling in multiple offers. We're still seeing activity, but there's other areas in the market that, you know, have experienced a complete downturn and, uh, and buyers are really taking their time, pumping the brakes. And, um, uh, you know, we're not seeing the, the crazy multiple offers that we have in the past. Instead of, you know, 16, 17 multiple offers, we're seeing two or three on some listings. uh, And we're seeing a lot of cancellations and price changes. So um, to the realtors that are considering listing properties out there, 
um, if you are considering holding back offers and doing an offer presentation date, um, you know, be very careful and really understand your local market and the lo and the product that you're selling because certain price ranges, you know, they're still very active and certain price ranges and certain products um, have seen a very big downturn in the demand for them. So you really have to know your local market, your local community, and really understand the product that you're selling. So on, on the cancellations that you're seeing, I assume they're canceling the listing and then they're relisting it uh, for the most, a lot of times, most of the time, but to just establish a different price, a different asking price, and maybe putting a more realistic asking, like something closer to what they truly believe is the fair market value, as opposed to the first go around, which was just a, a price to entice a bunch of offers. Right. And, and I mean, unfortunately, when you say realistic, a lot of the times that translates to a much higher price, right, where where the seller kind of hoped they would get by pricing it way below market value to attract people in. Right. And, and what we're seeing is we're, you know, we're seeing the market adjusting. We're seeing buyers adjust to the situation. Um, you know, a, a lot of events happened in the last uh, couple of days and in, in the last week or so. So. First and foremost, Bank of Canada raised their rates. Now it was a very small increase, 0.25 of a percent. The bank rate is now at 0.5%. However, what that did is it influenced consumer confidence, right? And when you factor that along with the war in Ukraine and, and, and our situation um, in the world that we're currently facing, um, the biggest one is gas prices. I mean, everybody's really talking about gas prices. That's something that's impacting everybody almost on an everyday basis. Um, you know, fuel is almost at $2 a liter and they're anticipating that it's going to keep going higher. You know, people are, are, are debating, you know, what to do next and, and if right now is the right time to jump in and, and buy real estate. So the market is adjusting itself to everything that's, uh, that's been happening around us. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. Like, there's always an adjustment. You never know exactly what that adjustment's going to be. Like, some people will still be interested in buying real estate, but maybe they rethink a little bit where they want to live. Maybe because of the price of gas, people want to be closer to a subway line. The, you know, so those properties become more, more enticing, more valuable to a lot of people. Maybe certain households say, maybe we can get rid of one car and just go with. It, uh, instead of being a two-car family, let's be a one-car family, and one of us takes public transit to work. So let's live near public transit or good public transit, or live closer to work, so we can walk or ride a bike to work. So you never know what's, you know, there's all these factors that go into people's thinking, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to buy real estate. They might buy different real estate. They might be able to afford a, a lesser property because of inflation, because of the increased cost, because of the mortgage rate, doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to buy. They might just be buying differently. Yeah. Two questions for David G. Number one, how much do you look at days on the market uh, when you look at uh, in, in certain regions or certain properties? How much of that is a consideration? And number two, do you think you're going to start seeing people, when they go to sell properties, even if they don't have an electric car, installing electric car chargers just to make their house more green and marketable? I think that's going to be a big trend moving forward. And we're seeing it already happen on the new construction site. You know, builders are actually offering that as, as, as one of the upgrades. Including condominiums. 
Right. And it makes sense because when you're building a, a house or a townhouse, or even when you're building a condo complex, it's not expensive to put the infrastructure in to allow, for, you know, for electric cars probably costs about, you know, $700 to install a car charger in a garage, right? Once the walls are, are uh, you know, uh, finished, you know, once the house is built, once the electrical panel is in the basement away from the garage on the other side of the house, it gets a lot more costly and labor intensive to put in the car charger. So I think it absolutely makes sense uh, for them to do it very early on and to add, add as a perk. And I think moving forward, every single major brand of car manufacturers are going to offer an, an, um, an electric alternative. Um, Alberta, I mean, made an announcement last night that they're dropping the uh, sales tax on gasoline and they're giving everybody um, an incentive to, uh, to own a green vehicle. It's going to be a trend that is going to be bigger and bigger. And especially now when the whole world doesn't want to rely on Russian oil, um, I, I think, you know, this is a very viable option. Yeah, we just need the charging stations. Um, the infrastructure. I mean, one of the reasons that Tesla has such a huge advantage is the infrastructure that they uh, they put in, right? Like, I mean, they have charging stations everywhere. I think in Mississauga alone, we have three major ch charging stations, right? Uh, and you have the app and you can locate the closest one too. It's a very, very smart system. It builds a lot of brand loyalty, certainly. Right. And I mean, I looked at, you know, uh, when we were shopping for a car, I looked at um, Audi Q8 and I mean, absolutely gorgeous vehicle. Right. But then you look at it and like, where are the charging stations? There are no charging stations, right? right. That, that, that you can tap into. So going outside of the city, going up to the cottage, traveling, you know, you have to take those things into account. And with a Tesla, and if you forget to charge or you have to go somewhere farther, you can stop at a supercharging station. And in, you know, 40 minutes, you have 75% of your tank and you can, you know, go on your way. You know, cars, uh, I was going to say cars, houses, it's, it's amazing with inflation, with demand, it, it, you want to go buy a Tesla, you want to go, go buy a new construction uh, house. You know, it's not so simple as just walking in and just buying, you know, it's getting on a list, it's knowing the right people, it's uh, having to buy a resell or buy assignment, you know, it's, uh, th this, is, this is where all, you know, major products are headed. It's, uh, it's just, the, and it's funny, as inflation is going up, demand is going up on a lot of these products. Well, you know, the car that I drove before my current car was a diesel car. Mm. okay and the mileage was amazing and the, and the price of diesel the whole time i you know i had it for four years on a lease was always less than than the gas price and um but unbelievable the mileage that i got on it so it was fabulous that way it was a different ride different sound i loved it a few times i hated it because i'm in certain places like not in my neighborhood and and i got to fill up and not every gas station had a diesel pump, and those that did have a gas that did have a diesel pump had one out of twelve pumps is diesel. And you get there, and there's a two trucks waiting. They're going to fill up like five hundred gallons each ahead of you, and you know, and, and you're running out of gas, and you got to get somewhere. And you're and you're searching on your app, where's the next diesel station? So it became a little bit inconvenient. So I just had to make a point of always filling up near home or near the office where I knew there's a station. You know because it's not everywhere and you think okay this will be great once there's more diesel so now they're getting rid of diesel completely <laughs> but but the same thing with the electric like you need to be able to have that confidence you're always going to be able to charge your car 
And, and once that happens, and there's certain countries that are way ahead of us that way, and that really have a good grid. And once we do that, you know, then, then it's, it's, it's great. And then we're not dependent on, on oil as much. And we get better mileage and cleaner, a cleaner drive, quieter drive. It's a great drive. For those listeners out there, uh, in case you're not certain, we are in uh, lovely, snowy Ontario, Canada. Spring is coming soon here, so we're very, very excited. But uh, if you go look outside and you think of what your stereotypical Canadian winter is, we got them this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I watched a really good um, um, YouTube video um, last night with... Uh, Warren Buffett, and he was talking about the current situation, and he was talking about inflation a lot, um, and the type of assets to invest in, and, and he was criticizing holding cash so much, right, and he was saying that, you know, their inflation in the States is, is 7%, ours isn't quite that high, but he was, you know, obviously talking about their environment, he was saying that if you hold money in your bank, you're really losing 7% of buying power on your money. And even if you invest in something like a GIC, which pays, you know, 1.8% return, you're still negative 5.2% on, on your buying power uh, of your money, right? So after listening to, to that, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, buying real estate is probably a really smart idea as a hedge against inflation, right? Especially in local real estate like jonathan explained where we are we're in the you know the gta and the golden horseshoe we call <clears throat> we've talked about this many times in our podcast we somehow seem to be bulletproof in our neighborhood our extended neighborhood and um, there's a bit of a pause sometimes occasionally uh, but there's never really major real estate corrections the values always gradually go up and it's never a bad investment to have real estate of any type especially in the GTA. If I'm, if I'm going to segue this uh, and, and do a quick shout out, I did a webinar uh, just this week on uh, real estate investing, the legal side of real estate investing. And one of the first things I talk about was the fact that the typical real estate investor isn't typical anymore. You know, you picture these people that are holding like five to 10 properties, you know, they've uh, made their incomes, they start investing later in life. And once uh, they bought a couple of properties, it started to snowball. But more and more now, we're seeing from our legal side of things at Corman's that uh, you're getting younger investors, the ones that are in their 20s, maybe buying their first condo, but then they're not necessarily selling that condo. Instead, they're renting it out and using the uh, equity that they built in their property to buy their next property. And maybe they're going to rent that one out too, or they're going to live in it. So it, the, the whole complexion of who's buying real estate and why I'm seeing that there are people in their 30s now and they're up to two to five properties. That's amazing. You know, the sky is the limit for people like that. And the true, true wealth, is, I, I found in our clients, at least, the ones that are truly ahead of the game, have one common thing in, uh, among them is that they are real estate investors. And they buy very often and very often buying by way of assignment. Right. So let's talk about that. What is an assignment? Well, in its simplest form, it's selling a contract. You know, people think of it as uh, it's not real estate. It is real estate. You are selling real estate. You are selling an interest in real estate, but it's not the, uh, the you know, it's not something you're walking into and you're selling the house, the condo per se, 
because very often it's not even built yet. You're selling a contract for the right to purchase real estate. Yeah, and what happens, and this is a, a good segue from our just our discussion on market conditions, because it's the mar current market conditions that are driving the increase in assignments right now. Be and we're talking about assignments mainly in the new construction world, not on resale properties, but in new construction, people are buying you know, detached homes or condominium projects, sometimes three to five years before they're physically built and ready to move in. So that, you know, that's a long time in the world. Look how much has changed in our world in the last three years. If you bought a condo three years ago, you know, pre-COVID and everything, with full intention sometimes of moving in. Some are buying it as investments, some are buying it with intention to actually live there, but their world changed and maybe it's not suitable for them anymore. Uh, so all of a sudden now it's built or it's getting close to being built and some are choosing not to live there and they want to sell it. So they're selling it by way of assignment. So whether you're an investor that's sort of flipping it or maybe someone really bought it for themselves, but circumstances change, don't want to live there anymore. They're selling their, uh, the agreement of purchase and sale they entered into with the builder to, uh, to a third party. And then that party will, will complete the transaction with the builder. To throw in there that uh, on, on, on David Kay's point there, assignments can happen on resale. Absolutely. Here in Ontario, we tend to not see it that frequently, but we do have it where somebody purchases a property by way of resale. So it's an existing property, very often with development potential. And they're saying, you know what? Uh, I bought it at a really good price. You know, I knocked on someone's door or what be it, or I just got lucky on the market. This thing's not closing for a few months. I'm doing my due diligence. You know what? I'm going to flip the contract. Let somebody else take it over. Let them do the construction or tear it down or live in it or whatever being. So it does happen in resale as well. It's very common. I know in BC more than it is Ontario. Here we tend to see it, it tends to be, you know, 95% at least new construction, typically being condominium units where somebody goes to the sales office, buys one plus units. You know, I've seen people owning three to five units and they spread it among family members sometimes with the intention that everybody's going to have one in the building and they're going to live in there or as an investment or they do it to flip or circumstances change very often. And uh, without jumping too much ahead, you know, depending on what your intention is, could have big tax ramifications for the people out there. So somebody's going to go sign a contract to go purchase new construction saying, I'm going to flip this thing. I'm going to make, uh, you know, double my money instantly. First thing I always tell them is speak to your accountant because no, there are potential tax implications with everything in life. You can't just go make money per se. No, no different. You go to your job and you make your, your, you get your paycheck every two weeks, you get taxed. This is the same idea. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons people look to do assignments, you know, because they're buying these properties sometimes three to five years before, especially, you know, we're talking about our market. Most of the time when it's completed, it's worth a lot more money than when they sign the agreement of purchase and sale. You know, so that's sort of the, the, the key thing. So you know, those that bought it with intention of always flipping it, always assigning it, are saying, oh, I bought it at 500, I can now sell it for 650, I got a profit of 150 or whatever. So, and that was always the plan uh, to get that. Now we have had some projects in recent years where that increase didn't happen as much. So you always have to be careful. Like there's no guarantee that it's gonna happen. But one of the reasons assignments are as popular as they are is investors get in with the expectation that three to five years from now, it's going to be worth a lot more and I can flip it. So I'm all, I'm putting just my deposits down, my down payment down, 
that's my investment right now, but I'll get that back and then I'll get a, um, a profit, you know, down the road. So that's one of the reasons that drive it. And then the others, like I said, is the, you know, the change in circumstances sometimes force people to say, hey, I can't close. Um, I can't get enough of you know, the, the value went up, but I can't get the mortgage financing. My job changed. I got to live in another part of the city. There's different circumstances where people just, uh, you know, can't, don't want to complete that transaction. So they look for someone to take it over. And, and they hope to get a profit still, but they certainly hope they're not going to lose any money, at least get their money out. And we do a lot of those type of transactions too. Right, because if somebody, uh, you know, if somebody just walked away and, and didn't close, then they forfeit their deposit. And in some of these pre-construction circumstances, it's quite substantial, you know, 20, 25% down, you know, that's a lot of money on the line, right? So, um, you know, that happens for a number of reasons, but the builder also wants to make sure that come closing date, Know, the, the unit is closed and you know people take that transaction seriously and if there's a shift in the market you know everybody's protected as well so uh, change in circumstances is a big one I, I've told clients multiple times that are signors the people that purchased originally and now are planning to flip it you have to think of it, it, it it's, it's still gambling per se everything in life you put your money into is a quote-unquote gamble you know if you go buy rare exotic cars, you're thinking it can only go up. Well, it might not, you know, you go put your money in a savings account, you're getting 0.002% interest. That's safe. Sure. You're going to go to casino Niagara and you go, go play roulette. Very dangerous. You go buy stocks and bonds. There could be fluctuations in real estate. They tend to have that more safety net. And um, I've been practicing now for close to 20 years and on assignments, you know, let's say, Let's just throw a broad number. Let's say I've closed 2,000 assignments in my life, okay? From there, I would say I've seen very few where the people actually had to forfeit because they didn't have enough money to close because the market shifted for value and then they couldn't get their mortgages. But that did happen. Most of them happened in a very small amount of time where there was a particular shift in the economy and things just kind of paused. They didn't go down. But people were just very cautious. Banks were very cautious. That was not a great time. And they would have timed it that they would have sold it two months earlier or sold it six months later. They would have been laughing. But you got to be, you got to have some luck in this thing as well. But like, for example, like now I've seen a couple of assignments where people are uh, selling, you know, town, uh, brand new townhouses and they're making four hundred dollars to $600,000 on them. That's a lot of money. And they put down $60,000, $70,000 over two to three years. That's a great return. You know, that's an amazing return. And, and you didn't have to changing, right? You didn't have to live in there. You didn't have to carry the thing every month. You signed a contract over a couple of years. You put down, let's say, 60K. Now you're selling your contract. And on the numbers, you're making $400,000 before taxes. That's pretty amazing. Yes, you might as well, you know, depending on their job, they might have been better off just sleeping at home and watching TV all day and just relying on that contract. <laughs> but but that's again where you know there's it's a form of gambling from the from the lawyer side of things. When we see our deals coming in, you know, we're seeing in the past three months, at least a very, very common trend. I majority of the transactions I'm getting in, for example, as a real estate lawyer, I'm seeing them status certificate reviews because people are hoping to buy resale condos. They get frustrated. So they're saying, I have lost out on so many of them. There's been 20 offers, 15 offers. Like I tried to do a bully offer. I'm going to go line up and do new construction. So I'm going to go buy brand new from the builder. All of a sudden, my, my, my realtor wasn't allocated enough units. The thing sold out really quickly. I tried negotiating with the builder. There was no 
there was no incentives to be had. You know, there was not, it's not like it was a year ago. Now it's a builder's market and there's no freebies. So you know what? I, I'm, I'm done with this process. I've spoken to my realtor. They have a pipeline and they know a couple people that have bought by new construction. And you know what? The thing is going to go into occupancy in the next six months. I have my certainty. I'm going assignment route. And, and for a lot of the buyers, the end users of it, even as investors, when they're looking to get into the market, they're saying, this is an easy way for me to do it. At least I have the certainty that once we get the consent from the builder, I have real estate I can buy. And I think that's the attraction now why people are buying by way of assignment. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's definitely solving the inventory issue that, that we've had for such a long time. You know, like the last two years, there's been no real estate out there whatsoever. You know, like builders have been selling pre-construction units, you know, by by the drones. Right. So um, that that's really the only type of inventory that we've really seen out there. Yeah, And the builders are really careful with their inventory, too. So a builder these days, it used to be they just opened up a sales office and hoped that people would show up and come in. And whoever came in, they're going to negotiate with and, and try and sell to. Those days are long gone. Now they open up a project and the builder is doing their due diligence on you as a prospective purchaser. They're not even allowing you to come in and be a purchaser. They're not going to give you a brochure until they qualify you as a real buyer, whether you're an investor or, or you're buying it for your own purposes, you can't even get in the door. You can't negotiate anything until they pre-qualify you. It's really remarkable right now because there's that much of a demand for these things. So then let's say you're actually buying for yourself and you bought a place two years ago. Uh, one of the things that a builder's insisting on too is they want evidence that you will be able to get your mortgage. They have to see real hard copies of pre-approval from a bona fide mortgage lender or evidence that you can buy it for cash. And they're very careful with these pre-approvals and what they'll accept. I had two letters from, from builders lawyers this week accusing our clients of fraudulently providing their mortgage approval documents to wow. them and, and giving a few days to provide proper documents or they're going to terminate their contracts and, and keep the deposits because they think they've been you know, there's some fraud going on with what they've produced. So they're really careful. So let's say you've been pre-approved legitimately a couple of years ago, you qualified for a mortgage, you sent it into a builder. All of a sudden, let's say you're coming to close this year in 2022. Let's say it's later in this year. Interest rates just went up last week, like David said. There's a really good chance interest rates are going to go up again in three months. Maybe it happens again in six months. So they got pre-approved at a certain level two years ago with expectation of where rates would be. And all of a sudden, by the time they close, the rates might be higher and it might come time to close and they might not be able to afford the property that they really want to buy. They might be able to close. They may not be able to get enough mortgage financing to cover it. Therefore, they start saying, what are my other options? If I can't close, I don't want to default. Well, you don't have to default. One option is, can, we, can I get an assignment? Can I flip it? I'll have to find something else, but at least I can get my money out. Maybe I get the increase in value of this. I need a good realtor to help me through the assignment. I need Jonathan Cohen from Corman's to help me close the transaction, guide me through it. You know, in this room, it's funny, you know, it's not just three, uh, you know, handsome supermodel men here. We're also professionals. And, and the reason why the three of us are talking about assignments and to the public out there, if you're a person thinking of purchasing by way of assignment, 
or, you're, or you have a unit, a new construction contract, and you're thinking of flipping it and selling it by way of assignment. We can't emphasize enough, and this is not to terrify you, but you should be terrified. You need to have professionals working with you. Cannot emphasize enough. When you have, you have, you have a buyer and a seller, the assignor, the assignee, the assignor, the original buyer, flipping the contract to the new buyer, the assignee, we need to have four professionals in place besides the accountant, which is also very important, certainly, but you have to have two good realtors, two good lawyers. They all have to speak the same language. They have to understand assignments. If you have one person from those four professionals that don't do assignments, don't understand assignments, um, are very nervous, you know, they can kibosh a transaction. So you could be putting in all this time looking to purchase your dream home or you being the assignor looking to sell, maximize your money, going through this whole uh, dog and pony show and somebody drops the ball and then you're starting back from square one. And assignments are like ticking time bombs. Once you're making a decision to go ahead with it, you could be under the gun. And if you waste too much time and burn through your time, you may lose the ability to assign and then you, that changes your life plan, your life uh, projection. So just for the first and foremost, if you hope to have an assignment go through of any kind, make sure you're retaining the right professionals from day one and get your realtor, get your lawyer immediately and make sure they're speaking together. Don't leave any of those people to the last minute. Uh, Jonathan, I'm also going to add mortgage broker to that list, right? Because Oh, absolutely. Yes. It is fundamentally important that your mortgage broker understands the assignment process and that the lender feels comfortable, you know, lending on the new purchase price, right? Because, yes. you know, from a lender's point of view, you know, somebody paid X amount of uh, dollars three years ago, and now somebody's paying Y amount of dollars three years later. And, and you know, that gap can be significant, and the lender needs to feel comfortable with that increase and not all lenders do it's you know sometimes it can be a very tough uh, situation to sell to a lender right and if they don't have experience and they haven't done assignments uh, you know it can be a very very tough situation to to uh, have a discussion certainly on the surface so you know if if you don't have really good professionals um, really tough to navigate you know, if you picture it as far as a room in a, in, a, in a boardroom and you'd have to bring all your party into it, you're starting off with the assignor, assignee, then everybody's bringing in their lawyer, bringing in their realtor, bringing in your accountants because on assignments, both sides need to be familiar with what the potential tax implications are. So you have to have your accountants as well. Good point. And then as well as the assignee bringing in their, their mortgage representative, that's a lot of professionals and a lot of people that have to be giving professional advice and dealing with it, that's why assignments are so important. But in my experience, a lot of people do not speak to the mortgage rep until near the end, unfortunately, and then they can get burned very quick and also not speaking to their accountant, not realizing how complex the tax ramifications being and making sure they have their game plan from day one. So very good point, David Gorski. Thank you. Yeah. And one of the, the key, key elements of an assignment transaction on a new build is getting the consent of the builder to the assignment. Like that's an essential part of each one. You have to go to the builder and get the written consent and the builder's lawyer will produce a three-party document that's signed by the builder, the, the assinor and the assignee on this. But part of that process for the builder to provide that is just the same way that they pre-approve the mortgage for the original buyer, they want to be satisfied that the new buyer, the assignee, 
in this situation can also qualify for a mortgage or has cash to to close the transactions. So they got to go through that process with them again. So that's why, David, to your point, you have to have that mortgage broker involved early to make sure they can get that money and, and then provide that that written confirmation that there's a lender that will lend money based on whatever the value is then on the assignment price and not just on the original agreement of purchase and sale price because they're very different numbers, right? So great point, like they've got to understand it. They've got to be able to explain that and show that to the lender and show the lender comparables. Like these condo prices haven't closed yet. So, right. so you know, how do you determine what the assignment value really is? You got to, as an agent, you got to do a lot of work to figure that out and get comparables and everything because there are no transactions in that building that have closed yet, usually when they're trying to do these assignments. So you've got to figure out the right value and then you convince a lender to lend based on that value. What about an appraiser? How do you deal with appraisals of, uh, of, of something that hasn't been built, right? And I mean, you know, it gets very complicated, um, but the good news is that, you know, we are seeing more and more assignments. People are becoming more comfortable with them. They are becoming more mainstream. And, uh, you know, we have the professionals uh, to be able to help you navigate through through this. Now, I, I did want to say a word of caution. If you are an assignor and you assign it, uh, assign a contract an assignee, um, and uh, I'd love to get your input on this, guys, but the original purchaser is liable if the assignee does not close the transaction. Is that correct? Absolutely. And uh, just to step back for one second when we're walking into this, just for the clarification for the uh, listeners out there, there's two things I think we should first of all put out there. Uh, num number one is the documents involved, being that there are the three documents. So you have the original sales agreement with the builder between the assignor and the builder, the original buyer. Then from there, the uh, assignor assignee made their side contract, their assignment agreement. So agreeing how much the assignees buying the contract off the assignor. So that's their side agreement. That side agreement doesn't go to the builder. The builder is not aware of what their side deal is. What happens from there is once they have their side deal signed, the assignment agreement, then they can go to the builder, apply for the consent, and the builder prepares the consent document, and that's signed between the three parties like we talked about. As soon as that document is signed, it's as if you took the original agreement, rubbed out the original buyer's name, and put in the new buyer's name. So now the new buyer has taken over that contract. That's their baby. They have to close it. But to that point the original buyer is not off the hook. If the assignee, so sign or even if you get your money ahead, so let's say you, you negotiated the deal where the assignee says, I got consent, here's all your profit, here's your original deposit back, take everything now, I'm releasing it to you, go off into the sunset. Don't go too far because you should still be in a know to know that, they, that deal actually closed. Because if you're the assignor and a deal doesn't close between the assignee and the builder, you're still on the hook. And from the assignee's point of view, which is I, I always laugh, is very often they're first-time buyers. They've never bought real estate ever in their lives. So uh, if they bought a resale property, it'd be scary for them because they haven't done it before. It's not because it's a scary process. It's scary when you don't know what to expect and what the process is. That's why you bring in the right professionals who walk you through the steps and it gets easier and easier. So let's say from there, you're buying new construction. So now... When you're buying a new construction condominium unit, you generally have two closings with the builder. The occupancy closing, where you don't own the unit yet, it hasn't been registered yet, but you have the right to live in there and you're paying a monthly amount to the builder, equivalent to what it would have been if you would have owned it, but you don't. 
And from the builder's end, they haven't registered yet, but at least they're able to get you into the unit and start recouping back some of their money. So that's one closing. Then it's the final closing when the building gets registered. And then the builder can put the property into your name. You get your mortgage like you would on a typical transaction. But there is a third closing between the assignor and the assignee. And that's even a lot of lawyers. I still argue with them that they're acting for one party. I'm acting for another. And I said, I need my closing documents. They're like, no, it's the, the consent's already been given. We're done. I'm like, no, we're not done. We still have a contract together. The assignment agreement. I have some documents that my client needs to sign for you. You have some documents you have to sign for me. It's still a real estate closing. So on, that's why when people quote, for example, oh, how much you charge on an assignment? Are you buying or are you selling by assignment? Well, when you're buying, just so you know, there's the assignment part of it where you have to negotiate, sign the assignment agreement. Then you have three closings coming up. So there's multiple levels to this thing. That didn't because, sound complicated at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's easy. It's actually not that complicated. It's very easy, it's but you have to know. It's complicated <laughs> when, you, when you know how to do it. But you know, one of the, the referral sources that we get in our office on assignments is from other lawyers. Uh, we have other lawyers that for years been sending us, you know, that do real estate. They do transactions. They do regular, you know, residential purchase, sale, refi, you know, decent practices but they will not do assignments because they hate them. They don't understand them. They don't want to do them. They make mistakes on them. It's so easy to make mistakes. There's so many pitfalls in these things and their clerks hate doing them. And, and we've had that internally too. We have certain clerks in our office that really don't want to like doing it and others that absolutely love it. It gets their juices going because there's something meaty to it. There's, you know, there's always nuances. There's something interesting about it. So we have some people that love doing it and they're really good at it. And, and we have lawyers that love doing it too, because it's, it's more interesting than a standard residential resale transaction, which are, you know, become cookie cutters sometimes. And so, you know, sometimes you run into problems, but assignments are, are difficult. And for the same reason, David, you know, but there's agents, I'm sure in your uh, brokerage that, that will not do assignments, never want to do any, I did one a couple months ago for one of your top agents who had never done one, one of your top producing agents, you know, year after year, after you never did one. And then he got one. He says, Oh, you know, I got a client really wants to do this. And I'm going to, and, you know, help me out in this. And, and we start going through it and he calls me and he goes, Oh my God. Like, had I known that there's all these moving parts, I don't think I ever would have done it. I don't think I ever want to do another one <laughs> because it's, 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 it's complicated, but it's not complicated when you know how to do it, we know what to look for. So let's talk about that. From an agent point of view, if you're representing the buyer, where do you start? What do you look at? Walk me through the process. And I, and I know you guys see a lot of mistakes on the, uh, on the APS. So you know, let's talk about some of those mistakes, what you guys see and what agents can do to make sure that you know, it's a very smooth uh, process for, for their clients. Can I start with a real life example? Please. <laughs> All right. So we got, uh, and this person, if they're listening, you know, it's you, you know, you messed up. Love you, buddy. But uh, you're a real life example now. So you got top realtor in the GTA, like very well known. Okay. Done this for many, many years. Let's say you've been a top realtor, probably at least 30 years. Okay. And, and, and does very luxurious homes and goes to purchase a property for himself. And as he's purchasing the property, um, he, he's telling him, you know, uh, I'm going to be going out of town and uh, I'm planning to sign this thing in the future. So I am going to flip it. That is going to happen. 
but I'm just not going to be around this weekend. And I know the sales office is opening up. So he contact and he, he knows the builder. Okay. So contacts the builder directly and says, look, uh, I can't make it in, but I need you to give me a prime unit that I'm going to be assigning in the future. I want to negotiate an assignment clause, please. And I don't want to get, uh, um, having to pay heavy assignment fees, you know, do me a favor, please. So, uh, the builder says, no problem. You know, I'm going to give you the assignment clause and the assignment clause where you're allowed to assign it, uh, anytime before, let's say final closing, fine, no problem. Okay. But I, I'm not gonna be able to make it in. Can a friend of mine go and sign the deal for me? And then when I come back, I'm going to be back in three days. Like I'm leaving Friday. I'm coming back Monday. Can you please just, uh, change the deal to put it back in my name? No problem. No problem. We'll do that. You're good. Okay. So he comes back Monday, friend signed the deal, comes back and he says, okay, so now just let's sign an amendment so that we change it, that we're deleting the old uh, buyer's name, put my name. You know what? We spoke to our account and um, they don't like doing it that way. It's not going to work. We're, let's do it by assignment. So we're just going to have this person assign it to you. It's cleaner for our books. Just understand. Okay, but I'm not gonna have a problem in the future, am I? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Like, you know, we know each other. We're fine. Okay. So goes ahead and signs the assignment, and uh, now he's named purchaser, and he's happy. He's all good to go. So fast forward two and a half years later, and you know, property's getting constructed, a condominium building, and he's saying, okay, you know what? Uh, I think it's time for me to sign now. I know I have my assignment clause. I'm good to go. So he goes ahead and you know, networks. Cannot list it on the MLS because that's not allowed under assignments unless you know you have builder consent because they can consider you in breach of the agreement and keep your deposit and sue you for damages. So be very careful. Do not list it for on the MLS. So then they're saying, how am I going to be able to sign, uh, sell it? Well, I network with the other realtors. If you have professionals and no assignments, they'll find buyers. Lo and behold, they find him a buyer. He signs his assignment agreement, comes now to the builder and says, okay, it's time for me to get my consent, please. Uh, let's go ahead with the assignment. Well, I'm really sorry to break it to you, but uh, you already assigned the unit, as you recall, when you changed the name. Oh, come on, that's a technicality. Well, no, it said I gave you a right of assignment and I gave it to you. I'm sorry, I don't make up the rules. It just, yeah, that's a big misunderstanding there, but, uh, but they do make up the rules. The rules but are they do make the up the rules. But I like you, so I'll give you that assignment. And I'm only going to charge you $20,000 because I know you flipped it for at least a hundred. So I'm a good person here. I'm only going to charge like 20%. So $20,000 later, that was a very expensive lesson learned. And in real life examples, like when I was teaching with Aria at the time and teaching a real property law course, you know, I found that the future realtors always love to learn it by way of real examples. So in that case, what we learned and what they did right, what they did wrong the right thing was, first of all, negotiating the assignment clause and a real assignment clause. You know, most assignment clauses, if you go read what the builder will give you, it says we have the right to you have the right to assign based on the builder consent, which can be unreasonably withheld. So that is not consent, folks. That's I can do it in my leisure and tell you no, no matter what. So that's where, first and foremost, mistake number one is making sure you have a right to assign, but a real right to assign. The real right to assignment says, as long as the builder has sold X number of the units already, then by all means, you can go ahead. Builder will give consent, but it cannot be unreasonably withheld. So you have they have to be reasonable in it. So that's, first of all, was the biggest mistake. If you don't have that, that assignment clause, forget it. Number two, keep in mind, just because you have one right of assignment generally does not mean you have right to assign two or three times. So in this case, 
They should not have burned through their assignment. Right. And, and just to break it down a little more, almost every agreement of purchase sale, every standard builder's agreement of purchase and sale has a prohibition on assignment. They basically, you cannot assign without the consent of the builder. And like John said, unless the, uh, let's, and the consent can be unreasonably withheld. But then when they grant the consent, you get an assignment clause, it will grant you an assignment subject to the following terms and conditions. And you got to go through that carefully and see what they really are. Because included in that is that prohibition against marketing the property, putting on any MLS, social media platform, WeChat, anything. So yeah, you can sell it, but you got to do it privately, you know, to your local people, you know, if you're an agent, you can do it within to other agents in your office, but you can't publish it. And if you do violate that, you're in breach and you get a, a letter saying from the builder's lawyer, so you're in breach of the contract. We're terminating you. We're keeping your deposit. We get, we'll sue you for damages. So you got to avoid that. And then that other thing that John meant is almost all the time, they're granting consent as long as you pay them a fee, an assignment fee. Okay. And we've experienced it on same project. We had one where a builder gave it, we asked for an assignment uh, consent. They gave it to us $3,000 fee, which isn't unusual. A lot of times it's a thousand to 5,000. A lot of times in that range, sometimes it's higher. 10,000 plus easily. A few days later, same project, same builder, different, different buyer. We applied for it and they said, yes, we'll consent. And they charged $50,000 as the assignment five zero five zero so we went back to him, what are you doing we did we did one a couple of days ago at three thousand well we don't like the this buyer as much this buyer's been uh not playing straight with us we don't trust this buyer and also market conditions are shifting and yeah we snuck that last one in for your client at three thousand but going forward uh we're, we're charging a higher amount and no matter how much begging and pleading and negotiating and trying to get them to act reasonably blah 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 they stuck to the 50,000 and our, it was still a good deal for our client to do it because there was enough of a profit there, but it was a $50,000 fee to the builder. David Gorski's question there, he's saying, what are the mistakes being made? Very often the mistake is made the second you enter that sales office. And even when you come armed with a realtor, if that realtor doesn't understand how to negotiate, they, 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 they say, okay, you have an assignment clause. Okay, the assignment clause doesn't actually give you the real right because they can unreasonably withhold the consent and you didn't negotiate an assignment fee. And from there, you didn't recommend for the client to go review it with a lawyer and they should because there's in, the, in, in new construction condominiums, there's a 10-day cooling off period. But in new construction houses, people think there's the same 10-day cooling off period. There isn't. So you have to have a lawyer review clause in a new construction house agreement. Otherwise... You may okay. not have the ability. And then from there, if you didn't negotiate the right assignment and you didn't cap your uh, assignment fee, you could be in for a big surprise where you spent all this time looking for a new buyer, a new assignee, and the builder to come back and say, no, I'm not consenting. Or yes, I am consenting, but 50,000, please. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and go, you, you can go challenge it. You can well. say the builder's not reasonable charging 50,000. And but you end up having to close your transaction first, reserve your rights, and then take them to court afterwards. How much are you going to spend in court fees and legal fees to to try and um, convince a judge that fifty thousand wasn't reasonable? Last when, time when I looked, at, last time I looked, there's no law against life being unfair. So <laughs> exactly. exactly. So you got to be careful going in before you commit yourself on these things and, and negotiate it. And like, if anybody listening to this takes any takeaway it's always have, 
the right to show this to a lawyer to to make sure you've got the the right language in the document like and when they're promising are not created equally and when they're promising you things in the sales office to get you to sign on the dotted line okay yeah this is not a problem i'll give you this i'll give you that get that in writing even get an email saying it was a pleasure to meet you you told me i'm gonna have this 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 get it in writing because if you don't get it in writing when you're gonna come back two to three years later they're going to say, oh, that person doesn't work here anymore at the sales office, or you misunderstood that. We would have never said that. And now you're left holding the bag. Get everything in writing, please. Yeah, and it just comes down to having the right team, the right representation. I just want to step back um, really quickly and then and, and unpackage something that David Corman said. Um, and I want to caution realtors out there, right? Because if a client comes to you and says, hey, I want to sell my assignment, you know, you have to review that original APS and you have to take a look at that assignment clause very carefully. And you also have to look at the circumstances around the assignment and make sure that you do not get your uh, original buyer into trouble with the builder because, you know, we are seeing significant amount of money being, uh, being made here in appreciation. The last thing you want is for the builder to cancel that contract because you're violating the rules, right? And uh, as a professional, you have to be extremely careful on what advice and how you guide your clients and, and, and how you represent and how you sell assignments. Yeah, and there are a lot of pitfalls that we haven't even gotten into talking about. There's a lot of tax pitfalls that you have to navigate too. There's land transfer tax that's not being done properly a lot of times. There's HST issues. There's HST rebate issues. And this is where having someone like Jonathan Acone, the chosen lawyer, you know, to help you navigate through things like that. These are these are difficult issues. And, and a good accountant has to be involved in, in this process too, right? Jonathan, we're always wanting want an accountant helping. Thousand percent capital, capital gains, business income for the assignor. There's so many levels of pitfalls just in like we could we could be hosting a three-day conference just on the tax implications <laughs> of assignments. But where the starting point for a realtor, if you're the realtor listening out there, uh, you're asking for an assign or assignee, send that email. Say, it was great meeting you. Looking forward to the assignment. Please make sure you speak to your professional lawyer and accountant that understands real estate and assignments and get your tax and legal uh, issues looked after. Very, very, very important. Yeah, it, it's a process but it's so important that you give yourself time and involve the whole team early on in the process so that each and every single person understands ways in the client navigate to a successful closing. That's the key to, to assignments. And um, guys, we're running a little bit low on time today. Um, it was a great podcast and I think we need a part two to really dive into the pitfalls and tax implications and really how to structure and navigate assignments uh, from, yeah. from an agent point of view. Yeah, even when I do webinars and, and Jonathan think the same thing on assignments, a lot of times we do it in two parts because it's just, there's so many issues to talk about. You can't cover it in a short period of time. So, but before we go, I you know, should have done this at the beginning way of introduction. Jonathan Acorn is, is uh, my partner at, at Corman's LLP. And, and not only is he a fabulous lawyer and a fabulous partner and a fabulous individual, but he's also the chosen lawyer and the star and host of his own podcast called The Chosen Life. 
if only Jonathan had an array of uh, t-shirts that he could wear daily to show off the Chosen Life podcast, it would be fabulous. Uh, but he's been doing these podcasts now for how many episodes have you done now? So finished off episode number 10, which is actually launching in the next couple hours. Yes. And, and available on YouTube and wherever you can find a podcast. Very entertaining. It's about lifestyle issues and a fabulous, entertaining podcast. And anyway, this is my little commercial for, for my, my buddy, my partner. And a pleasure to have you on here. And, we're, and obviously, we're going to get you back and uh, continue with this. I very much appreciate this, David. And uh, it's, it's nice to do the, the double feature. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, everybody either is living the chosen life or wants to live the chosen life. And having you two as friends, brothers, colleagues, I truly am living the chosen life. So thank you very much for having me on Dave and David on Real Estate. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us and, uh, and, and join us next week as we really dive in and, and, and really look at the um, different intricacies of assignments and, and how to navigate them. Stay tuned. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you, guys. Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market and dive deep to understand the issues affecting buyers, sellers, investors, and businesses. If you love real estate as much as we do, sit back, relax, and gain an insider's edge to the exciting world of real estate. David Gorski is a broker and the owner of Sutton Summit Realty, a powerhouse brokerage providing guidance to over 180 realtors. And David Corman is a partner at Corman's LLP, a respected law firm specializing in residential and commercial real estate transactions with offices located in Toronto, Mississauga, and Markham.